Welcome to Mayo Clinic Pharmacy Grand Rounds, a weekly podcast for pharmacists, physicians, physician assistants, and nurse practitioners who are interested in learning more about clinical pharmacology topics. I'm your host, Sarah Thompson, Director of Pharmacy Education and Academic Affairs at Mayo Clinic. To claim pharmacology CE credit or to get a copy of presentation slides, visit ce.mayo.edu slash pharmacy podcast. Breast Cancer Human Epidermal Growth Factor Receptor 2, or HER2, pathology was identified as being positive or negative. This determined a patient's eligibility for HER2-targeted therapy. However, recent data suggests another patient population exists, HER2-low. Recent trials have identified antibody drug conjugates like trastuzumab durextecan that have efficacy in HER2-low breast cancer. Join pharmacist Brianna Chambers to learn about clinical trials that have evaluated the HER2-low population and the place in therapy for trastuzumab durextecan. Our learning objectives for today are going to be to describe HER2 expression and the significance of introducing a HER2-low classification to breast cancer management, to explain the unique characteristics of antibody drug conjugates that are used for breast cancer, and then we're going to evaluate the, the use of trastuzumab durextecan in the treatment of HER2-low breast cancer. Here are the abbreviations that we'll go through today and reminders for what those are going to be in the blue section on the bottom left. Breast cancer is currently the most commonly diagnosed cancer. In their lifetime, one in eight women or 13% will be diagnosed with breast cancer, and one in 39 or 3% will die from breast cancer. Metastatic breast cancer, overall survival is listed here. So when we talk about treating breast cancer, we divide up our treatment groups into hormone receptor, positive or negative, and hormone receptor is going to include endocrine receptor or estrogen receptor and progesterone receptor, positive or negative. And then we also divide our groups into HER2 positive or negative. For our HER2 positive, hormone receptor positive or negative subtypes, our median overall survival for metastatic breast cancer is going to be around five years. For our hormone receptor positive, HER2 negative patients, our median overall survival is going to stay around four to five years. However, in our hormone receptor negative, HER2 negative patients, this will go down, our median overall survival will go down to 10 to 13 months. When we talk about, in, um, in our discussion today, we'll be focusing on our HER2 low population and a subset of that, and that's going to be these bottom two groups. Diving a little bit more into our subtypes, this pie chart shows you the distribution of breast cancer subtypes amongst our breast cancer population. Hormone receptor positive patients in the metastatic setting are typically treated with endocrine therapy and CDK4-6 inhibitors. Hormone receptor positive patients are represented by our light blue and our dark blue pie chart slices here. And endocrine therapy is going to include like our aromatase inhibitors um, and other antiestrogen therapy. And then we also, and then our CDK4-6 inhibitors. Our HER2 positive patients can be treated with HER2 targeted therapy along with chemotherapy. HER2 targeted therapy includes trastuzumab and pertuzumab. Of note, pertuzumab cannot be used by itself for as a HER2 targeted therapy. And our HER2 positive patients are going to be our black and our light blue slice here. 
And then we have hormone receptor and HER2 negative patients. Their options are going to essentially be chemotherapy. Typically, we're going to be using anthracyclines, taxanes, um, anti-microtubule inhibitors, or anti-metabolites. This is represented by our purple slice here. Our HER2 negative patients are our our purple and our dark blue slices. And of these HER2 negative, up to 60% of our HER2 negative patients actually have a low, um, low, low levels of expression of HER2. This equates for almost half of our breast cancer patients. HER2 expression is defined in the following ways. First, we would run a IHC score or an immunohistochemistry score. This is an easier test to run. It's a little less specific and it's cheaper. It will show us if there is any HER2 expression in the sample that we've obtained. A zero will mean that this patient is HER2 negative. A three plus would mean this patient is HER2 positive. Previously, an IHC score of one plus would be considered HER2 negative and an IHC score of 2 plus would be an indeterminate amount of HER2 expression, needing a more specific test to determine if the patient was truly positive or negative. This more specific test is the FISH score, or the fluorescence in situ hybridization score. This will test whether the sample provided has the DNA that encodes the HER2 receptor. This will help us determine if this patient is truly positive or negative. So in a patient with an IHC score of 2+, plus, if their FISH score was negative, they would previously be described as being HER2 negative. And then for a patient that has an IHC score of 2+, plus, FISH positive, that patient would be considered to be HER2 positive. When we talk about introducing a new HER2 low subtype into breast cancer, we're talking about including patients who have at some point shown expression of HER2, but not to the level that we would consider them to be positive. So that's going to include our IHC score 1 plus and our IHC score 2 plus FISH negative. In summation, HER2 low is a newly investigated population and is classified as either an IHC score of 1 plus or an IHC score of 2 plus with a negative FISH. Up to 60% of patients currently classified as HER2 negative do actually have low levels of HER2 expression, which will impact patients in both our hormone receptor positive and our hormone receptor negative breast cancer subtypes. This leads me to my first assessment question. Which of the following patients would be classified as being HER2 low? A patient with an IHC score of zero, and a patient with an IHC score of two plus with a positive fish, and a patient with a IHC score of two plus with a negative fish, or a patient with an IHC score of three plus. All right. So the majority of us have answered an IHC score of two plus with a negative fish, which is going to be one of our, uh, which is going to be the correct answer of a HER2 low patient. The first answer, IHC score of zero, no HER2 expression, so that would be considered HER2 negative. An IHC score of two plus with a positive FISH, that two plus is our indeterminate value, but since the FISH is positive, that would be considered a HER2 positive patient. And then our last answer, D, an IHC score of three plus would be considered to be HER2 positive. Now that we have described our HER2 low population, 
let's dive into the antibody drug conjugates that we're talking about being used in HER2 low breast cancer. An antibody drug conjugate consists of an antibody, a linker, and a chemotherapy agent. So we've got our antibody and a um, chemotherapy agent linked by a linker. Our chemotherapy agents can be topoisomerase inhibitors, microtubule inhibitors. And now I'm going to move into talking about a specific antibody. So in um, breast cancer, we've got trastuzumab, which is our HER2-specific antibody. If we talk about creating a antibody drug conjugate from trastuzumab, um, first let's look at the mechanism of action of trastuzumab. Trastuzumab will bind to our HER2 receptor and cause... Um, it can cause a variety of things. One of them is to bind and block cleavage of the HER2 receptor, which will prevent activation through signal transduction pathways, which would support the proliferation of a tumor cell. It will additionally block dimerization of HER2 receptors, which will again block signal transduction and uh, tumor proliferation. After trastuzumab binds, HER2 receptors can also undergo endocytosis and degradation, which will decrease the overall HER2 expression on cancer cells. And finally, we can have trastuzumab binding to our HER2 receptor and tagging that for removal by our own immune cells. If we were to add a chemotherapy agent to trastuzumab and make it an antibody drug conjugate, it would first bind to our HER2 receptor undergo endocytosis, and inside the endosome, we would have cleavage of that of our linker that holds it in our chemotherapy. This will allow the chemotherapy to be released inside the cell and act as its chemotherapy mechanism, be that disrupting microtubules or disrupting DNA. There were two different trastuzumab antibody drug conjugates investigated for their use in HER2-low breast cancer. The first one that was investigated was trastuzumab imtansine, or TDM1. It was an anti-HER2 antibody linked to a microtubule inhibitor. Its linker was a stable thioether linker, and it had a drug-to-antibody ratio of 3.5 to 1, which means for every antibody, there were about 3.5 molecules of chemotherapy attached, as described in this description below. Trastuzumab DRX-TCAN, or TDXD, is an anti-HER2 antibody linked to a topoisomerase inhibitor. It is linked by a cleavable tetrapeptide-based linker and it has a high drug-to-antibody ratio of 8 to 1, um, so eight chemotherapy molecules per antibody. This is significant, and when we put these side by side, we see a difference in the linker. We have a stable thioether linker versus a cleavable tetrapeptide-based linker, and we also have a higher drug-to-antibody ratio for trastuzumab DRX-TCAN. This leads us into the bystander effect. The bystander effect essentially means we have a target that we have instructed our chemotherapy antibody drug conjugate to um, go to. A bystander effect means we don't just affect that cell, but we affect the cells around it. This occurs um, when we do have a higher drug to body and drug to antibody ratio, increasing our chemotherapy payload. 
a cleavable linker allows us to have a better bystander effect so that the chemotherapy may better disperse from the antibody once it's reached its target. And a high chemotherapy payload also allows for deeper penetration of that chemotherapy within the tumor once it does reach its target. So when this was studied for TDM1 versus TDXT, TDM1 was not able to show efficacy in a HER2 low population, but TDXT was able to show efficacy because we were able to target HER2 expressing cells, even if they weren't highly expressing them, and still being able to deliver high loads of chemotherapy to that area. Now that we have described why trastuzumab-DRX-TCAN is the antibody drug conjugate um, that is HER2-specific that we'd want to use in HER2-low breast cancer, let's dive into a little bit more of the data associated. So the first trial I have here for you is the phase one trial with trastuzumab-DRX-TCAN in HER2-low patients. Included 54 breast cancer patients with HER2-low refractory to other therapies. Our... Um, they used trisuzumab DRXTKIN at 5.4 or 3.5.4 or 6.4 milligrams per kilogram every three weeks, and were able to show an objective response in 37% of patients with a median duration of response of 10.4 months. Of note, and as we talk about trisuzumab DRXTKIN in these patients, we did have some safety concerns with our 6.4 milligrams per kilogram group having a fatal treatment-related incident of interstitial lung disease or pneumonitis, and that is going to be something that we continue to monitor for and screen for before therapy. The next trial I have here for you is the phase two trial that looked at 176 breast cancer patients. They included a HER2 positive, low, and negative cohorts. In terms of our HER2 low response, we saw best overall response in 33% of patients, a duration of response of 7.6 months, and progression-free survival of 6.7 months. They were able to show um, safety data as well with some interstitial lung disease and pneumonitis appearing in three patients with a grade one event and one patient with a grade two event. This will lead us into our phase three trial, the Destiny 04 trial. This is looking at trastuzumab DRXTKIN and previously treated her too low advanced breast cancer. Destiny 04 included 557 patients with her too low metastatic breast cancer randomized 2 to 1 to trastuzumab DRXTKIN at our 5.4 milligram per kilogram dose or trastuzumab or, or physician's choice of chemotherapy being capecitabine, erlubin, gemcitabine, or paclitaxel. Patients were included in Destiny 04 if they had unresectable or metastatic breast cancer that was considered to be HER2 low. They needed to have re received chemotherapy for metastatic disease or recurrence within six months of adjuvant chemotherapy. Um, for patients that were hormone receptor positive, they needed to have received at least one line of endocrine therapy, and they could not have received prior HER2-targeted therapy. For metastatic for patients that were considered to be metastatic, they had to have received at least one and at most two prior lines of chemotherapy. Patients were excluded if they had spinal cord compression or active central nervous system tumors with symptoms or actively undergoing treatment for those tumors, or if they had a history of non-infectious interstitial lung disease. The patients that were included in our trastuzumab DRX-TKIN group in our 
um, physician's choice or our control group. We had a similar age between groups being just over the age of 55. They were able to break out the HER2 low status if that was IH, an IHC score of 1 plus or an IHC score of 2 plus with a negative FISH. And those um, rates were kept consistent between groups. Of note, um, 90, about 90% in both groups had um, hormone receptor positive, which is representative of our breast cancer population, but is not going to show us um, that big of a population in those hormone receptor or negative or triple negative patients. And then we have our previous lines of therapy between groups, which was similar, and most patients had three or more previous lines of therapy. And that's just to emphasize our HER2 positive or hormone receptor positive patient subtype. For our results, we are in Destiny 04, their primary endpoint was looking at our their hormone receptor positive cohort. Our progression-free survival in our hormone receptor positive cohort was 10.1 months in our trastuzumab DXTCAN group versus 5.4 months in our control, which was a statistically significant improvement with a p-value of less than 0.001. We saw a numerical improvement in progression-free survival in our hormone receptor negative cohort, but since we did not, but since they did not meet power, a p-value was not calculated for this subset of patients, but we were they were able to see that 8.5 months versus 2.9 months in the control. And the overall patient population, including both hormone receptor positive and negative patients, saw a similar statistically significant improvement. In terms of overall survival, hormone receptor positive cohort had a overall survival of 23.9 months versus 17.5 months in the control group, which is, again, a statistically significant improvement with a p-value of 0.003. We saw a similar numerical improvement in our hormone receptor negative cohort and a statistically significant improvement in both our hormone receptor positive and hormone receptor negative patients with a p-value of 0.001. Moving into some additional results, confirmed overall response, and confirmed overall response includes stable disease, um, partial response, and complete response. Confirmed overall response occurred in our hormone receptor positive cohort in 52.6% of patients versus 16.3% um, of patients in the control group. And of note, in our hormone receptor negative cohort, we, they saw a very similar um, rate. So our the trastuzumab DRXTKN group had 50% achieve a confirmed overall response and 16, versus 16.7 in the control. And the results were, again, similar in both our hormone receptor positive and negative patient group. And then finally, there was complete response reported, which was relatively low rates, but in our hormone receptor positive cohort, we had 3.6% of patients in the trastuzumab DRXTKN group versus 0.6 patients in the control group. In terms of tolerability for Destiny 04, most patients in both the control 
and the trastuzumab deoxycan group did have an adverse effect of some degree. Nausea and the trastuzumab deoxycan group was higher than we would have expected it to be, being an antibody drug conjugate at 73%, and we'll touch on that a little bit more in a minute, versus 23.8% in the control group. We have the adverse effects grade three or higher being about 52.6% in our trastuzumab deoxycan group versus 67.4% um, in the control group. In terms of adverse effects leading to drug discontinuation, the rate of this was about twice in the trastuzumab deoxycan group being 16.2% versus 8.1% in the control. And in terms of adverse effects leading to death, this did occur in 3.85% in the trastuzumab deoxycan group versus 2.9% in the control. Of note, 1.9% were seen to have um, a drug-related adverse effect leading to death, where they did not break that out as being drug-related in the control group. Interstitial lung disease, we've established we need to monitor this. In Destiny 04, in the trastuzumab deoxycan group, 12.1% of patients did have some sort of interstitial lung disease or pneumonitis. 3.5% had a grade 1 reaction. 6.5% had a grade 2 event. 1.3% had a grade 3 event. And 0.8% had a grade 5 event. And a grade 5 event is death of note. In the control group, there was one patient with interstitial lung disease, and it was graded grade one. When we discuss the management of interstitial lung disease, and we'll dive a little bit more into what the grades mean and how Destiny 04 specifically managed interstitial lung disease in these patients. So our grade one patients are asymptomatic, but interstitial lung disease or pneumonitis was noted on scans. This can restart at full dose as long as the patients have completely resolved within 28 days of diagnosis of interstitial lung disease. And steroid treatment is not required, but can be considered at 0.5 milligrams per kilogram per day. A grade two adverse event with interstitial lung disease would be patients are presenting with symptoms. They're affecting their instrumental activities of daily living, but they're still able to function. This results in permanent discontinuation of the medication and treatment with one milligram per kilogram per day of prednisone for at least 14 days. Grade three interstitial lung disease is symptoms limiting our activities of daily living. This is going to require hospital admission. This results in permanent discontinuation of the of trastuzumab deoxycan and indicates receipt of high-dose IV steroid tapered over at least four weeks. Grade four interstitial lung disease is life-threatening and requires urgent management, like with intubation, results in permanent discontinuation, and again, we're going to do IV steroids tapered over at least four weeks. Trastuzumab alone does have a risk of cardiotoxicity, so it is something we're also going to monitor in our antibody drug conjugate, including trastuzumab. In Destiny 04, 4.6% of patients in the trastuzumab deoxycan group did have some level of left ventricular dysfunction with one patient having a grade three left ventricular dysfunction and one patient or 0.3% having a grade three cardiac failure. 
grade three decreased ejection fraction occurred in 1.5% of patients in our intervention group and in their control group, they did not note any. Nausea and vomiting. Our trastuzumab DRCCAN did show higher rates of nausea and vomiting than anticipated. For your reference, I put TDM1 back up on the screen that we had compared earlier and its rates of nausea. So as we can see, comparing the rates of nausea side by side, the rate is about doubled in our trastuzumab DXTKN group. Due to this, it is now considered to be high risk for nausea and vomiting, and um, pre-medications include our steroids, our serotonin receptor blockers, our NK1, our neurokinin-1 antagonists, plus or minus olanzapine, depending on your institution and other patient-specific factors. There are some reasons for this theorized, but one of those theories would be we do have a higher chemotherapy load with a cleavable linker that is um, easier to get into our systemic circulation. So while trastuzumab DRXTKN is better in our HER2 low patients, so we can get that targeted action and spread out that chemotherapy more, it may also increase our risk for nausea and vomiting. Our takeaways from Destiny 04. There was a low level of our triple negative or our hormone receptor negative patients included, but otherwise this was a robust, very representative population of HER2 low breast cancer patients. Trastuzumab DRXTKN did show an improvement in overall survival and progression-free survival in this population. This moves me into my second assessment question. Which of the following does not contribute to the bystander effect? We have a high drug-to-antibody ratio. We have B, a humanized monoclonal antibody, C, high chemotherapy payload, or D, a cleavable linker. So we, the most answers we have up here is humanized monoclonal antibody, which is correct. That is a part of our antibody drug conjugate, but is not what is contributing to our bystander effect. What contributes to our bystander effect are A, a high drug to antibody ratio, C, a high chemotherapy payload, and D, having that cleavable linker. Now we have gone through trastuzumab DRXTKN, our HER2 specific um, antibody drug conjugate used in HER2 low. And for completeness, I wanted to discuss another antibody drug conjugate used in the treatment of HER2 that has been used in the treatment of HER2 low breast cancer. So this is going to be sacatuzumab govitecan. Sacatuzumab govitecan is a humanized trophoblast cell surface antigen 2 monoclonal antibody. It has a cleavable linker and its chemotherapy agent is SN38, a topoisomerase inhibitor, also known as the active form of irinotecan. The drug to antibody ratio for sacatuzumab govitecan uh, is 7.6. The mechanism of action, so trope 2 overexpression stimulates our tumor growth. It has shown to be um, overexpressed in many solid epithelial cancers and has been detected in all breast cancer subtypes. However, expression has actually been shown to be lower in HER2 positive subtypes compared to our HER2 negative subtypes, which implies we may have better efficacy in our HER2 negative population. Due to its cleavable linker and high drug to antibody ratio, we do have a bystander effect with uh, secatuzumab govitecan. So again, going through the mechanism of action, secatuzumab govitecan will bind to trope 2, undergo endocytosis, and 
inside the endosome have cleavage of our cleavable linker, releasing SN38, allowing it to enter the cell and bind to topoarsomerase 1, causing DNA damage. Our high drug to antibody ratio is then going to allow SN38 to also spread to our surrounding tumor cells and exert its action there as well. Secotizumab govitecan currently has an FDA indication for unresectable locally advanced or metastatic breast cancer that have received two or more prior systemic therapies for triple negative breast cancer, so our hormone receptor negative HER2 negative breast cancer, and for hormone receptor positive HER2 negative breast cancer. This was defined as uh, HER2 scores of IHC of 0, IHC of 1+, plus, or IHC of 2+, plus with the negative FISH. So in terms of this discussion today, this is including our IHC score of 1 plus and our IHC score of 2 plus with a negative fish population. This will lead us into the data we have in HER2 low patients with breast cancer for secotuzumab govitecan, and that's going to be our TROPICS-02 trial. TROPICS-02 included 543 patients with metastatic hormone receptor positive HER2 negative breast cancer, randomized one-to-one to secotuzumab govitecan, um, or physician's choice of chemotherapy, which is capecitabine, venerobin, erebrilin, or gemcitabine. Patients were included if, we, if they had hormone receptor positive, HER2 negative metastatic breast cancer, if they had received previous treatment with at least two, but no more than four lines of therapy, and they must have received at least one taxane, at least one course of endocrine therapy, and had to have received CDK4-6 inhibitors in the past. So this is a more heavily pretreated population than what we saw in the DESTINY-04 trial. Additionally, there are ECOG or um, Eastern Cooperative Group Oncology Group score needed to be less than or equal to one, which essentially means that their performance status was good and they were anticipated to tolerate chemotherapy. Patients were excluded if they had received topoisomerase inhibitors or if they had active central nervous system metastases unless they had been stable for four weeks. For the purposes of this discussion, we're going to focus on the HER2 low results within this trial. HER2 in the HER2 low subgroup, overall survival was 15.4 months in the sacatuzumab govitecan group versus 11.5 months in the control there was not a p-value calculated for this subgroup. In terms of tolerability, sacatuzumab govitecan did have adverse effects grade three or higher in 74% of the patients that received it. Of note, 51% of patients did have neutropenia and 10% of patients did have diarrhea. Adverse effects leading to drug discontinuation occurred at 6% in our sacatuzumab govitecan group versus 4% in the control group, with one adverse effect leading to death in the sacatuzumab govitecan group. Now we have gone through the data that exists for our antibody drug conjugates. To put data for these antibody drug conjugates side by side, not directly comparing them, but to put them side by side for your reference, we have trastuzumab drxtecan. So the overall survival we were able to see in Destiny 04 for hormone receptor positive HER2 low patients was 23.9 versus 17.5 months, with a, which was a statistically significant improvement. In sacatuzumab govitecan, the overall survival was 15.4 months versus 11.5 months in the control with no statistical significant um, p-value calculated. 
this is going to look lower in the secotizumab govitekin group, I would remind you that um, tropics O2 contained a more heavily pretreated population and the more lines of therapy a patient is going to progress through, the lower their overall survival is likely to be. Adverse effects leading to drug discontinuation have side-by-side side here with our rate doubling in our trastuzumab DXTKN group and in our secotizumab govitekin group having about 6% versus 4%. In terms of toxicity that is monitored for these different mon or, uh, antibody drug conjugates, cardiotoxicity risk is something that we will monitor and screen prior to therapy for for trastuzumab DXTKN. We'll also monitor black box warnings toxicities for interstitial lung disease or pneumonitis and embryofetal toxicity. Sactuzumab govitekin group um, has a black box warning for neutropenia and diarrhea, so our highest rates of grade three adverse events in the Tropics O2 trial. And the other thing to note for Sactuzumab govitekin is it does have additional data available for her uh, hormone receptor negative patients. That's, um, and that will lead me into my final assessment question for you. So ES is a 52-year-old female diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer. She's hormone receptor positive, HER2 IHC score of 1+. She has progressed on first-line chemotherapy and endocrine treatment. Her last ejection fraction was 50% and has no history of lung disease. This is the case. Give you a quick second. And then we'll move into our answers. Which is an appropriate treatment option for ES? We have A, pertuzumab, B, trastuzumab, C, trastuzumab deoxycam, or D, trastuzumab imtansine. All right. So we have a 100% response for trastuzumab deoxycam, which is correct. Pertuzumab is not a treatment we would use alone. Um, and would not be relevant for this particular patient in where they are in their treatment. Trastuzumab alone would not be our choice for metastatic breast cancer, the patient that has progressed through additional lines of therapy. And trastuzumab imtansine is our TDM1, which was not able to show efficacy in HER2 low patients. Also, our other HER2 specific agents would not have not shown efficacy in HER2 low patients. In summary, many HER2-negative breast cancer patients do have low levels of HER2 expression. HER2-low patients respond to antibody drug conjugate therapies that have a high chemotherapy payload. And trastuzumab DRXTKN has been shown to provide an overall survival benefit in HER2-low metastatic breast cancer refractory to endocrine therapy and chemotherapy. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, subscribe using iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. Thank you for listening to Mayo Clinic Pharmacy Grand Rounds. Join us weekly for more exciting clinical pharmacology topics.